The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your top five at five. Stocks looking to bounce back on the heels of the market's worst week since October. Futures right now are in the green. President Trump entering his final full day as commander-in-chief as Washington, D.C. and the country prepares for the president-elect Joe Biden to take office. We are live in Washington with the latest there. And the U.S. hitting yet another very grim mark in the COVID-19 outbreak as one governor looks to bypass the federal government in getting his state's vaccine doses. And act big. That's the message Treasury Secretary nominee Janet Yellen is set to deliver to lawmakers when it comes to boosting the U.S. economy and another major milestone for Tesla as it rolls out its first China-produced Model Y vehicle. It's Tuesday, January 19th, 2021, and you are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning and welcome to the show. I am Dominic Chu in today for Brian Sullivan. Here's how your money and the global markets are setting their day up with stock futures pointing to some solid gains at the opening bell. The Dow implied higher by roughly 180 points, the S&P by about 28 points, and the Nasdaq higher by about 133 points with their bigger bounce and some of those big technology names fueling that. Wall Street will look to bounce back following last week's losses. The S&P 500 and Nasdaq both shedding around one and a half percent, while the Dow was down nearly one percent during that same time span. That marked the worst week for the three major indexes since October. This week, investors will have plenty to chew on with a slew of big earnings names out. Today, we get results from the likes of Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Charles Schwab and Netflix after the closing bell. Later on in the week, as you can see there, it's names like Morgan Stanley, United Airlines, IBM and Intel. So let's also get a look at the bond market right now. The yield on benchmark 10 year Treasury notes currently trading just a hair. Well, that's WTI crude and Brent. So we are now looking at some of those moves here for those futures and 10 year note yields about one point one percent. Two year note yields about one point point one four percent and 30 year T-bonds. 1.85% there the last trade. Also want to check what's happening with energy markets here. You can see oil prices higher. WTI crude $52.58, up one half of 1%. Ice Brent crude futures up 1.2%, $55.42 the last trade there. Now, in the last hour, the IEA is out with a report cutting its 2021 oil demand outlook, citing new COVID lockdowns that are hurting fuel sales. And you can see there that's having some kind of an impact there, uh, what's happening. Let's also take a look at what's happening with Bitcoin prices. Currently, now moving slightly to the upside here, about 1.8%, $169 the last trade there. Over the last month, we're still up about 55%. Analysts over at JP Morgan recently warned that there could be an investor exodus 
unless the cryptocurrency reclaims that 40,000 level. So watch that level there, 37,145, the last trade on Bitcoin. Let's now go worldwide. Big gains across most of Asia with the Nikkei gaining more than 1%, while the Hang Seng and Kospi both jumped more than 2%, as you can see there. The Shanghai Composite, the lone laggard, falling roughly probably three quarters of 1% at this stage here. Meanwhile, taking a look at the energy trade, the early trade in Europe, the German DAX up one third of 1%, the FTSE 100 up one quarter of 1%, and the CAC in France just about flat on the day right now. We are off the session highs there. Now to your top stories, including a major milestone for Tesla. Seema Modi has more on that and the morning's other top headlines. Good morning to you, Seema. Good morning, Dom. Tesla has begun deliveries of its first Shanghai-produced Model Y vehicle in China. That according to state-run media. It's unclear how many Model Y vehicles were delivered or whether they were delivered to employees or to retail customers. China, which is the world's largest EV market, is seen as critically important to Tesla and its growth strategy. The company wants to increase its vehicle sales volume from about a half a million vehicles last year to 20 million annually over the next decade. In other news, social media platform Parler, it's resurfaced. The company's website is now back online, thanks in part to support from a Russian-owned technology company. This after Amazon stopped providing its cloud hosting services following the deadly riots at the U.S. Capitol. Speaking over the weekend, Parler's CEO said he's confident the site will be fully up by the end of the month. Its app remains banned from the Google and Apple stores. And the U.S. has surpassed 400,000 deaths related to the COVID-19 outbreak. This as President-elect Joe Biden promises to block an executive order by President Trump yesterday on international travel to the U.S. That order would lift virus-related travel restrictions for much of Europe, the U.K., Ireland and Brazil, effective next week. Dom? Seema Modi, thank you very much for that. Now to Washington, D.C., where President Trump is entering his last full day in office as preparations continue to hand power over to his successor, President-elect Joe Biden. Meanwhile, the Senate will reconvene for the first time since the House impeached the president last week. Tracy Potts is in Washington, D.C., with what's shaping up to be a very important day ahead. Good morning, Dom. Good morning, everyone. And a day when the markets may have a lot to react to the confirmation hearing for Janet Yellen as Treasury Secretary happening today. President Trump uh, planning as many as 100 commutations and pardons that could be announced today. And President-elect Biden planning to start rolling back some of the Trump policies within hours of taking office. Tonight, from the Lincoln Memorial, Joe Biden will deliver his final message as president-elect before his highly anticipated inaugural speech tomorrow. It's a message of unity. It's a message of getting things done. Uh, That's what he'll be talking about January 20th. Biden's team says he'll start signing executive orders on day one, creating a path to citizenship, ending the national emergency at the border, rejoining the World Health Organization and the Paris Climate Agreement, and reversing the ban on transgender people in the military. A 10-day blitz of immediate actions to address the nation's most urgent needs. Today, five Senate committees questioned Biden's cabinet nominees under a massive military presence at the Capitol. This is three times the number of guardsmen we would normally have in support of the United States Secret Service. To all the people of this country, 
you will be in my heart forever. First Lady Melania Trump sharing her final message to the nation. Her husband hasn't been seen in a week. Sources familiar tell NBC News President Trump could announce dozens of pardons and commutations as soon as today while working on his impeachment defense and a red carpet send off. Tomorrow, he becomes the first president in more than 150 years to skip inauguration, saying goodbye to a city and a nation lit with the glow of democracy. And that send-off for President Trump said to include a military band, a color guard, a 21-gun salute. And he may make remarks, Dom, before leaving Joint Base Andrews on Air Force One for the last time as Commander-in-Chief. A very, very stunning image developing there in Washington, D.C. Thank you very much, Tracy Potts, for the latest there. As Tracy just reported, as President-elect Joe Biden prepares to take control, your next guest says while his economic agenda may initially be welcomed by investors, it may soon look like a Trojan horse. Strong words. Mark Avalone is the president of Potomac Wealth Advisors. Mark, does this mean that you are fearful of what's going to happen with the markets and the economy in the coming months because of the new administration and a Congress controlled by Democrats? Well, as investors, we plan on enjoying this ride. This ride is full of of cash from Congress and in the forms of stimulus and infrastructure and incredible liquidity from the Fed. And I think it would be foolish for investors to ignore those huge short-term boosts that are being provided. It's candy for investors, and it's really hard to invest against both of these huge forces. But to look down the road and to think that the incremental regulation or incremental taxes and massive spending doesn't have costs I think is a bit foolish. I think this has become more of a trading opportunity. We're not getting off right now because markets can remain exuberant for for longer than they should be. But I think investors just need to be aware of that, especially with all the new investors in this Robin Hood phenomenon. A lot of these investors, they haven't been through a bear market. And it's going to be very interesting to see if we get price momentum to the downside, how investors react. It's easy to say, Mark. It's easy to say, but it's market timing at this point, right? I mean, where does the short term stop and the medium to long term start? How exactly then do you strategize around? Do you start to cull profits, take money off the table at what point? And at what point do you say, hey, the ride is over. Now it's time for that rationality to set in. Well, that is the question. And I think one of the ways you start doing it now, if you're managing money, is you're talking to your clients about that. You're bracing themselves for the emotional ride that's ahead and taking their temperature if they want to stay in the deep end of the pool or if they want to start pulling back. You can also employ strategies with downside capture. And you can also look at stocks with lower valuations not and not be a part of this froth that has developed Uh, avoid the high-flying IPOs and look for more grounded investments that would have a little more downside should things begin to unravel. What are the what are the warning signs? What exactly are the, the, the things, the factors you're looking for in the market or individual industries that could tell you that it's time to now shift more defensively? Well, as I said, I think these are more intermediate and longer term problems, but we're looking at the weakness in the dollar how far that's going to drop, that could be in concern because it's inflationary. Looking at early signs of inflation, 
looking at what tax bills come out of Washington. This is what we're listening for. And I'm also concerned about the regulatory environment. We had some really great picks that the market liked from this centrist perspective, Merrick Garland, Janet Yellen. But it's who's going to head up uh, EPA, labor, who's running Senate committees. This is where a lot of the, the meat comes from. And if we're going to get tenor and tone and, and hardcore regulation that's negative, investors need to know. I mean, it was only five years ago that banks were setting aside billions and billions of dollars in fines. Are we under the impression now that that's long gone history, never to return? I think investors just need to go in this with both eyes open. Be aware that we have some really big stimulus coming. We have a super accommodative Fed and an improving economy. But Wall Street is not a one-way street, and they need to get in touch with their risk tolerance as things develop. Paying the piper, so to speak. Mark Avalon, Potomac Wealth, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Good to be here. When we come back on the show, much more on the inauguration of President-elect Joe Biden and how ramped-up security is hitting travel companies, usually booming with business in the D.C. area this time of an election inauguration cycle. Plus, the president-elect tapping an ally of progressives for the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. And then later on, Morgan Stanley's chief U.S. economist lays out her outlook as a new administration takes hold and the economy faces renewed headwinds. We've got a very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns after this break. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Let's dive into some key sectors and industry moves and stocks that have been seeing strong performances as of late. First of all, check out what's happening with growth versus value. Those types of stocks that are growth oriented have been huge, huge drivers of the market moves in 2020 to the upside. But over the last three months or so, it's been more value oriented, dividend paying, safer, more defensive names that have been driving the action. One ETF that tracks the growth market is the ticker IWF, the iShares Russell 1000 growth. It's up a very respectable 7%. Meanwhile, the growth-oriented version is lagging by almost a factor of two, the Russell 1000 value ETF, ticker IWD, which is up 15%. And as you can see here, that gap has been widening over the course of the last three months. So that's one trend to watch. Also check out what's happening here with some strength in key parts of the market that some traders consider to be possible leading indicators for the overall market and the economy. One of them is the semiconductors and one of them is transportation stocks. The white line of semiconductors hit a record high last week. By the way, the transportation stocks also did as well. But remember that semiconductor stock trade has been a huge one and a big driver of 2020's gains. And by the way, by some measures, we're off to the best start in years for that semiconductor trade. So one to watch there as well. And finally, online retail, specifically ones geared towards selling and delivering to homes during the work from home pandemic. Look at shares of Etsy, Wayfair and Chewy. All of these stocks hit record highs at some point over the last week and have pulled back slightly. But still, look, 
Chewy for pet food up 265 percent over the last year. Wayfair up 180 percent and Etsy up almost 300 percent. That online trade is going to be one to watch here for sure as a possible at least incubator for for possible gains ahead if the work from home trade stays intact. We'll see if that happens. These are huge moves to the upside. They could be due for a bit of a pullback. Well, this week's inauguration festivities would normally be a big boom for travel companies in and around Washington, D.C., but increased security following the deadly riot at the Capitol is now creating new challenges. Seema Modi is back now with more on that big trade and story. Seema. Dom, typically this week, hotels would be sold out in Washington, D.C. In fact, Hotel occupancy during past inaugurations for President Trump and President Obama was at around 97 percent. This year it will be very different with the Virginia governor and D.C. mayor urging Americans not to travel to the Capitol due to the risk of violence. Companies have issued different responses. Airbnb blocking all reservations in D.C. around the event this week. Rival Expedia's Verbo is not blocking reservations, but requiring those booking a property in and around D.C. and state capitals to reconfirm their identity with government-issued IDs so they can be revetted. Hotel operators, they remain open, but the big operators tell CBC they have updated security measures at their properties. Despite attempts, though, to discourage travel, travel site Hopper says it saw a 32% increase in flight searches to D.C. last Friday compared to the previous week. Now, the U.S. House Oversight Committee sent a letter to the biggest 20 biggest companies in travel, including Marriott, Expedia, car rental company Hertz, among others, to retain customer information and implement additional screening to ensure, quote, they're not being used to facilitate violence or domestic terrorism. This, as security, uh, continues to hide in Washington and state capitals across the nation. Dom? You, you know, Seema, I'm curious, why exactly is Airbnb suspending reservations for their properties, but Marriott and other hotel chains, why are they staying open and still giving out some of those reservations? What's the disconnect there? Well, Dom, uh, the hotels will argue that they need to remain open for inauguration-related suppliers, government officials, and military personnel that do need to be there in person for the inauguration. That's why they say they need to be open uh, for tomorrow's big event and this week as well. But again, Congress calling on those properties to, if they're going to stay open, make sure that they have the security measures and also retain records of all customers should there be a need to follow up for law enforcement or congressional investigations. Dumb. All right, Sima Modi, thank you very much for that. We'll see you later on. Still on deck for the show, Google fires back. Why? What the tech giant is saying about its partnership with Facebook amid questions over competitive practices there. Worldwide Exchange is back in just a moment. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Welcome back. Let's check on this morning's other top headlines. NBC's Francis Rivera is in New York with the latest. Good Tuesday morning, Francis. Hey, Dom. Good to see you. Good morning to you. We start with The New York Times reporting that President Trump's personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, will not be part of his impeachment defense team in the Senate trial. Giuliani told The Hill, in part, that's because he may be a witness. The rules of legal ethics would prohibit him from representing the president. 
A woman suspected of allegedly entering the U.S. Capitol during the insurgents on January 6th may have also stolen a laptop from House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's office and tried to sell it to Russia. That's according to newly revealed court documents. Riley June Williams seen there highlighted during the riot. The informant who tipped off police turned out to be her alleged ex-lover. They claim Williams intended to sell the stolen laptop to Russia's Foreign Intelligence Service. The FBI is investigating these allegations. Williams has surrendered to authorities. She's been charged with disorderly conduct on Capitol grounds with the intent to disturb a session of Congress and other charges. Chef Jose Andres spent the night helping the troops in D.C. stay warm with hot soup and sandwiches while delivering meals with World Central Kitchen. Chef Jose said, we show empathy and love one plate of food at a time. Perfect example of how food is love. It's one thing, Dom, to donate or just stay in the kitchen and cook and let everybody else go out there in the front lines. But he's doing it right out there. And he's, this isn't the first time he's done something yeah. great like this around the Washington, D.C. area as well. A great story for sure. Francis Rivera, thank you very much for that. Well, still on deck for the show, President Trump preparing for his final full day in office as you see a live shot of the Capitol Rotunda in Washington, D.C. as President-elect Joe Biden prepares for confirmation hearings for his key members of the administration. Elon Moy is standing back by with the very latest there. And as a reminder... You can always watch or listen to us live on the CNBC app. Worldwide Exchange is back after this. There are green arrows to start the holiday-shortened U.S. trading week. Dow futures are pointing to a nearly 200-point jump at the opening bell. President-elect Joe Biden's pick for Treasury Secretary heads to the Hill for confirmation hearings today. And Janet Yellen plans to tell lawmakers the U.S. must, in her words, act big on the next COVID relief package. Plus, an oil giant is buying a major stake in the world's biggest solar developer. Big deal there. It's Tuesday, January 19th, 2021, and you are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. I am Dominic Chu in this morning for Brian Sullivan. Here is how your money and investments are looking right now as we are halfway through the 5 a.m. Eastern time hour. Stock futures pointing to, like I said, a nearly 200 point rise at the opening bell. It's roughly about 160 now. The S&P implied higher by roughly 26 points and the Nasdaq higher by about 130 points as well. Now, Wall Street will look to bounce back following last week's big losses. The S&P 500 and Nasdaq both shedding around one and a half percent, while the Dow was down nearly one percent for the week. That did mark, by the way, the worst week for the three major indices since October. This week, investors will have plenty to digest with a slew of big earnings names out, as you can see there. Today, we get results from the banks, Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, also brokerage Charles Schwab, and Netflix is out after the closing bell. Later in the week, look for the names like Morgan Stanley, United Airlines, IBM, Intel, Union Pacific, Ally Financial, the list goes on. Now let's get a check here on Bitcoin prices as well. Right now, currently 37175 the last trade there on the Coinbase platform. You can see there over the last month up 55%. It has pulled back beneath that 40000 plus level that we saw over the last few weeks. Now this is big because analysts at J.P. Morgan recently warned that there could be an investor exodus from that trade 
unless the cryptocurrency can reclaim that 40,000 plus level that we saw back at the record highs. Now to some of this morning's top headlines. Seema Modi is back with some of those. Seema. Hey, Dom, Google, let's start there, is defending its partnership with Facebook, the company responding to a lawsuit from a group of attorney generals which argue Google's ad buying setup with Facebook is anti-competitive. In a blog post, Google's director of economic policy calls the lawsuit misleading. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo sending Pfizer a letter asking if his state could buy COVID vaccines directly from the company. Michigan's governor has made a similar request. In a media briefing on Friday, Cuomo said the federal government was sending New York 50,000 new vaccine doses than the week before. President-elect Joe Biden naming more members of his administration, this time picking two financial regulators from the Obama administration. Biden named Gary Gensler as his nominee to run the SEC. Gensler had led the CFTC for President Obama. And Biden tapping the former assistant director of Obama's Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, Rohit Chopra, to run the agency this time around. Chopra has most recently served as FTC commissioner. Dom, back to you. All right, Sima Modi, thank you very much for that. Speaking of Washington and the incoming Biden administration, let's head down to the nation's capital and check in with Ilan Moy. Ilan, there's a lot going on in D.C. this week, including the big festivities tomorrow. The inauguration is a key focus. What exactly are we expecting in the next couple of days? Well, Don, President-elect Joe Biden will make his way to the nation's capital today as he prepares to be sworn in as America's 46th president. Now, Inauguration Day has really turned into Inauguration Week. Biden spent yesterday volunteering at a community kitchen in Philadelphia in honor of Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Today, we do expect to hear from him in Delaware. And then later on tonight, he'll give remarks at the Lincoln Memorial for a ceremony to remember those who have lost their lives from COVID-19. Now, there is going to be a lot of pomp and circumstance over the next 48 hours, but Biden is also facing some tough political realities as well. Today, five of his administration's top nominees will have their confirmation hearings in the Senate. Those include Janet Yellen for Treasury Secretary, along with his picks for Director of National Intelligence, Homeland Security, Secretary of State, and Defense Secretary. So it looks like they're trying to pack in as many as possible, as early as possible, because pretty soon all of the attention in Washington will be consumed by the Senate impeachment trial of outgoing President Donald J. Trump for incitement of insurrection. Now, still no word on when the House might send that article over to the Senate and trigger the trial, though we do not expect that to happen today. And Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has said that his focus through the inauguration will be on a peaceful and orderly transition of power. So, Dom, I can tell you that security around Washington right now is extremely tight. The latest concern from law enforcement officials is the possibility of an inside job. So the Army is working with the FBI to vet the more than 20,000 National Guard troops who were in D.C. for the inauguration. Dom. Now, now Ilan, President-elect Joe Biden's Treasury Secretary nominee Janet Yellen, former Fed chair Janet Yellen, is set to go before lawmakers today as part of her confirmation process. What exactly can we expect to hear? We've talked a lot about this idea that she wants the government to go big with regard to stimulus. 
Yeah, absolutely. I was able to get an early copy of her opening statement, and she's going to make a pretty forceful argument for that $1.9 trillion COVID rescue package, as the Biden administration is calling it, that was laid out last week. Her argument is one that we've heard from other economists as well, which is if you don't do something now, the risk of something worse happening later on is even greater. She also points out the fact that with interest rates at historic low, the cost of doing something now and the cost of going big now is not that great. And so uh, there's both an economic and a human cost to consider here. And she's going to be uh, very forceful and very strong in making that argument. All right. It's a big deal for sure. Yolan, thank you very much for that. For more on the economic outlook under the incoming Biden administration, I'm now joined by Ellen Zentner. She is the chief U.S. economist and managing director at Morgan Stanley. Ellen, it's great to have you here with us. You, you just heard Elon's report and what we can expect to hear from Treasury Secretary nominee Janet Yellen, does the U.S. need another almost $2 trillion to make sure that the economy stays on decent footing? So there are a lot of things that I agree here uh, with, Dom. So we've got uh, Janet Yellen uh, heading Treasury as economist Janet Yellen, or former Fed Chair Janet Yellen. And so she understands very well labor market dynamics. She's a labor economist by training. And so when you look at the labor market and the fact that we have so many that are classified as long-term unemployed and the fact that the probability rises so sharply for them just leaving the labor market altogether, if you don't quicken the economy, the pace of growth as much as possible to bring them into the labor market, then you do have much longer-term problems down the line. And so Janet Yellen, the economist, is approaching this in that classic way. I do agree that we need to have much more robust unemployment benefit programs. Uh, I do agree that state and local governments need a lot of aid here. Uh, and so we think that something closer to a trillion dollars will ultimately get passed um, and that more is uh, needed here. I don't expect something as large as the full $1.9 trillion. Think of that as the opening bid. So, so Ellen, let's talk about this, this notion that if nothing's done now or if the, 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 the size of the package is not big enough, then worse things happen down the line. In your opinion, what exactly are the worst things that can happen if Congress doesn't act to get that stimulus out now? So the, the body of evidence and the, the literature in academia shows that every single deep downturn that we study uh, the longer it takes for the economy to recover, the more lasting damage there is, the more lasting scarring there is to the economy. So structurally higher unemployment rates, lower potential growth, lower neutral interest rates. Uh, and so uh, it's really you want the economy to recover as quickly as possible. So easing the pain of those people that are unemployed uh, in order to keep them attached to the labor market and then eventually pull them back in. She could be wrapping in some of the pains, though, from COVID as well. Uh, there's a lot of spending on toward testing and vaccinating the population uh, that is included in the package uh, that we expect will be passed. And that's really important uh, because we're off to a slow start here with vaccinating uh, the population. And we hope that under the Biden administration, we'll quicken the pace of that and play catch up. Uh, so to speak, and get the economy back on track uh, faster than otherwise. Ellen, there's been a school of thought for the last several months and maybe even the past few years now that there, there's been a fear of a possible Democratic president coming in, a fear of a sweep throughout Washington, D.C., with Democrats controlling both Congress and the executive branch. 
What do you think? Should investors be fearful of the coming months and years because of the the tilt towards perhaps certain policies? Or are we making much too much out of this whole that, that this idea that the economy might get derailed or the economy of the markets might get derailed because of what's going to happen in, in a new Biden administration? Well, I think, you know, our strategist started started writing very early on uh, at the prospects of a Biden administration and control of Congress, Democrat control of Congress, that if there was a negative reaction in markets to that, uh, that it was overblown and that markets should look through that because on net, right, what would markets be concerned about? Higher taxes. And we will get higher taxes. Later this year, we will probably get a rise in the corporate tax rate. We will probably get a rise in the uh, income tax rate for the wealthiest. Um, But guess what? It's not going to be fully uh, uh, the spending that Democrats will do will not be fully funded by those taxes. So you're talking about on net deficit expansion, which adds even more tailwinds to the economy. So fears of of a democratic sweep here. Uh, if there are, that it's overblown. But I can tell you from looking at markets and how they've responded uh, since the election, um, I think markets are looking through that as well. It's one reason why we've seen that reflation trade, uh, markets gaining more traction here in inflation markets and giving the Fed credibility that maybe all of this fiscal stimulus, finally coupled with the easy monetary policy, maybe get us higher inflation, finally. And so we're gaining more traction there in terms of the markets giving the Fed credibility. So I think there's a lot of positive built into the markets. Now, therein lies an issue. If the market's already priced in the prospect for all of this stimulus, well, then you've already digested all of the good news. And we, of course, then are fall back on just focusing on the path of COVID. And we're subject to the ebb and flow of COVID news. A lot of moving parts for sure. Ellen Zentner, always great to get your thoughts. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. We appreciate it. Well, coming up on the show, President-elect Joe Biden promising to change the way the federal government is fighting the COVID vaccine rolling out, vaccine rollouts across the country. We're going to talk about the implications that's coming up next. But first, as we head out to break, some of your other headlines this morning. Lumentum Holdings is reportedly in advanced talks to buy laser maker Coherent in a cash and stock deal. The Wall Street Journal says an announcement could come as early as this week. Oil giant Total will will pay $2.5 billion for a 20% stake in Adani Green Energy, which is the world's largest solar developer. Total says this will help its transition away from fossil fuels. And Samsung Air J.Y. Lee is going back to prison to serve two and a half years for bribery and embezzlement. The news casting doubt on the future of leadership at that Korean tech giant. Stay tuned. Worldwide Exchange will return in just a moment. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. The Trump administration announcing it was moving to lift COVID-related travel restrictions from most of Europe, the UK, Ireland and Brazil, effective next week. But the incoming Biden administration disagrees with that change. Joining us now is Chris Meekins, healthcare policy analyst at Raymond James. Uh, Chris, I, I got to say, I'm curious about whether or not there is any kind of a, a gap that can happen because of the transition. Can we expect the policies that we have to, to run smoothly in the first few weeks of an incoming administration? 
my assumption is you're probably going to have bumps in the road. But when I look forward of what needs to be done, obviously the new administration is going to want to build on what's working, fix what isn't working. But hopefully while they're doing that, you're not going to get rid of the good progress we've been making. In the past week, we've seen more than 5 million people get vaccinated. That's great progress compared to where we were a month ago. Now it's about a month late. But if the goal is 100 million vaccinations in 100 days, last week, you know, we just need another one and a half million per week and we can be on pace to hit that goal that the new president-elect has. So my hope is uh, that the leaders at HHS and the incoming Biden Coronavirus Task Force have worked together and there can be a relatively smooth transition and it won't be as bumpy as we saw when the vice president took over the COVID task force earlier this year, where we basically lost three weeks of the fight. We've seen a lot of headlines about that 100 million vaccinated in the first 100 days. Is it achievable? How ambitious are the plans for the incoming administration? It's incredibly achievable. And all they have to do is use what we know works. The reality is each week, pharmacies and primary physician offices vaccinate eight and a half million people for seasonal influenza without breaking a sweat. So while I appreciate that they want to set up these mass vaccination sites and get all these people that don't usually do vaccines involved in the fight, the biggest thing they can do is partner with chain and independent pharmacies to make a difference. And if they do that, it's very easily achievable. We can do seven, eight, nine, 10, 12 million vaccines a week without really having to do the heavy lifting we would see with National Guard and FEMA and other people coming in. So my hope is they'll rely on what works and the people that do this regularly in the healthcare system and maybe not spend as much time and effort focusing on things that require a lot of bandwidth for not a lot of uh, outcome. Chris, you're, you're a former deputy assistant secretary at Health and Human Services. Uh, what exactly logistically is it going to take you mentioned the, the work that pharmacies are doing. You mentioned kind of the, the logistical details around getting vaccinations out there. What exactly is the government needing to do to make sure that we get as many people vaccinated as possible, given what we have in terms of resource constraints? So what we know is the government needs to focus on ensuring that we increase production of the vaccinations. Hopefully by the end of March, we'll have more than 200 million doses, either the Pfizer or Moderna, with additional companies coming on. Uh, line in the near term. So it's a matter of just getting it out to the local communities and communicating with state and local leaders about what's coming, when it's coming, so they have more confidence. So they're not going to hold as much back and reserve for that second shop because they have confidence in the supply chain. And that's really been what's lacking is the communication between the federal and state and local officials. So if they are able to improve that communication, hopefully we can advance. Additionally, one of the things the Biden administration is doing really well is they're saying, look, of course, the prioritization would have been ideal and scientists were right to push for that, but it was probably too prescriptive. And instead, anybody over age 65, get them vaccinated. So the pharmacies can literally get vaccine. You show up, you show your ID. If you're over age 65, you get it in your arm. If you're not over age 65, you show your recent pay stub that says you're a teacher, then guess what? You can get a vaccine too. Otherwise, you're going to have to wait. So what we saw were some of these governors, especially New York, being incredibly prescriptive and punitive if you happen to give it to the wrong person. And that's the wrong idea. If I have a choice between giving a vaccine to 100,000 people a day and zero people slip through the cracks that shouldn't have it, or giving it to a million people a day and 100 people that shouldn't have it slip through the 
slip through the cracks. I'm choosing the million people every day a week and twice on Sundays. All right. So big deal for sure. Chris Meekins over at Raymond James, healthcare policy analyst. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Well, still on deck for the show, earnings season getting ready to kick into high gear. We are going to talk about the names you might want to own ahead of that big reporting parade. And if you haven't already done so yet, subscribe to our new podcast, Worldwide Exchange, every day in audio format. If you miss us, check us out on Apple or Spotify or your podcast platform of choice. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. That there is a live shot of Washington, D.C. in the Capitol building. Washington, a key focus ahead of tomorrow's big inauguration today is President Trump's last full day in office as commander in chief of the United States. Well, U.S. futures right now pointed to some solid gains at the opening bell. The Dow implied higher by roughly about 160, 180 points at this point. The move comes as the Dow, the Nasdaq and S&P 500 come off their worst week since October with the S&P and Nasdaq both shedding about 1.5% last week. For more on the markets, let's bring in Carrie Firestone. You know her. She's chairman and CEO of Aureus Asset Management, also CNBC contributor, a regular on the Halftime Report. Carrie, thank you very much for joining us. Let's talk about whether or not you think markets right now are investable, given the sky-high valuations some claim are out there. Well, Don, Don, you, you know that there are some parts of the market that have had enormous moves. Let's just think about what's happened with solar energy recently. Names like NEO and RUN, you can't make a case that those are investable right now. But there are other parts of the market that have been pausing, even technology stocks, Facebook, Google, uh, two examples, Microsoft, they really have been settling in, forming a base, perhaps ready to make another move as people have moved out of the large cap growth names that helped fuel the market in 2020. And they moved into reopening names, cyclicals, some of the energy and financial plays. So we think that having an approach that includes some reopening, some growth, some cyclicals, and maybe a couple of names that are momentum-driven right now because they're doing so well in terms of stimulus planning or their technology is really a, a good approach to have in this market. The last three months, we talked about it earlier on the show, the last three months have seen kind of like this real resurgence in the so-called value trade, right? That the, the beaten up names, the ones where price yeah. to earnings valuations are, are low compared to the overall market, the ones that pay higher dividends, the ones that are more defensively oriented, that sort of thing. Is that a trend that you see playing mm-hmm. out? And if so, where exactly do you then put money in value type names? What is on your value shopping list right now? That's a great question. So mostly we were growth investors last year. We began to move into a couple of names such as American Express. Well, American Express has been a growth company, but of course, all of their business sort of disappeared. 20 percent drop in 2020 because of spending on credit cards for business and travel. The, The stock had double earnings in 2021. Moving into 2022, we think this is a very, very good place to put money today. We have not invested in energy stocks. I know they've had a big move. I think that's great. The price of oil has gone up. But that's such a small part of the S&P. It can take very little money to move energy stocks 
high and they're up about 30 plus percent. So we're slightly concerned that that might have gotten ahead of itself. On the financial side, I mentioned American Express. SL Green is another value name. It's the largest commercial real estate owner in New York City and Manhattan. The stock sells for under 10 times earnings, trading at a big discount to the value of the properties they own. We think those are two really interesting names right now. United Healthcare on the healthcare side. You know, healthcare was an underperformer in 2020. Not names like Moderna, of course, or some of the vaccine names. But we think there's room for a name like United Healthcare. We own health equity. That's health savings plans. Gets a kick from uh, an improvement, somewhat of an improvement in interest rates. On the financials, again, uh, Charles Schwab, that's an attractive stock, even though it's had a big move. Uh, some of the big banks last week up or down, you know, there's interest rate. Uh, I think the banking business is good, has been good for them. But they've got some headwinds because, of course, there's some problems with commercial real estate. Interest rates are not moving up a lot, but they've had a very nice run over the past month or so. Now, there's also this idea of a reflation trade, Carrie, this notion that if things get going, we're going to have to build more things, spend more on energy. You mentioned energy trade before. I wonder how much the home improvement or construction type trade is playing out. And do you have plays there as well? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So an interesting uh, dichotomy is that in 2020, some of these stocks were considered COVID plays. We own Home Depot and Sherwin-Williams. They benefited from people being at home, doing projects around their house. The CEO of Home Depot said he thought every American family seemed to be building a deck by themselves. But that's continuing into 2021 because people have moved. They have new houses. They have to spend money. They're painting their houses. Sherwin Williams was great last year, and we think that that can continue into this year because of the renovations that people doing are doing on the new places that they live in. So, yes, I think that that can continue again in 2021. All right. And then one last thing. we got 10, 15 seconds here, Carrie. How about the construction-related names Pure Play, Cat and Deer? Are they, are they names you want to own? Yeah, well, those have been fantastic stocks. If you look at the charts, they look like some of the hottest um, uh, electric car companies right now. Uh, I think some of that's been pulled forward. Everyone expects an infra infrastructure play. I, I think I would let those rest a little bit before putting new money into names like Cat and Deer. But right. they've been great. Carrie Firestone, portfolio manager extraordinaire. A lot of names in your mind right now. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Well, that does it for Thank us here you, on Worldwide Exchange. Squawk Box picks up the market coverage. They are coming up next. Dow Futures implying a 180-point gain at the opening bell. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.